Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Uh, those turkeys that you were just hearing were some Gould's turkeys from last year on one of my hunts down in Sonora, Mexico. Just want to make you guys aware, I do have a couple slots available for this spring season 2017 for Gould's turkey. I'm also booking right now for 2018. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, You can also visit my website, gouldsturkeyhunts.com. That's G-O-U-L-D-S, hunt, gouldsturkeyhunt.com. And you can visit my Goulds Turkey Hunt Facebook page. That's Goulds Turkey Hunt uh, on Facebook. And uh, this is going to be a great episode with Scott Ellis, who is a NWTF three-time head-to-head calling champion. I was fortunate to have Scott on a hunt last year uh, with me down in Mexico for Goulds. It completed his Royal Slam, and it's always nice to get together with Scott and I got to see him uh, this year at the NWTF convention. This audio that you're about to hear is part of a Facebook Live of Turkey Callers of America in which Scott was one of the uh, guys that started the Facebook page. There's over 11,000 uh, uh, members on, or members of the Facebook group, Turkey Callers of America. So look them up on Facebook if you're a turkey hunter. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, podcast episodes already that Scott was gracious enough to uh, say that I could share the audio here with you guys, and I just appreciate that. Uh, go check out Turkey Callers of America on Facebook. Uh, guys, I'd also like to thank my sponsors, uh, GoHunt.com, Insider, uh, Kuyu, PhoneScope, and Outdoorsman's, and you can check out the show notes um, on on at the bottom uh, of your device uh, and read the promos and the different discounts with each company. I, I want to thank Kuyu for, they're, they're my new sponsor, and uh, we're going to be announcing some exciting stuff with Kuyu here to come. So guys, let's get right to this episode. I want to thank you guys for all your support of this podcast. Jumping right into it, Marty. How do you do your key keep your key key? I think it's autocorrect. Um, well, hey folks, we got a couple people joining in with us. Hey, Chris Baxter. Hey, yeah, me too, Brad. It's been three years, I think, since I've been to New York. Looking forward to it, brother. Um, first off, I'd like to thank everybody that's a member for of TCOA. We're up to 22 people, 24. Um, Thank you all for being a part of the Q&As. I think it's been a blast. Uh, more names than I can remember. I'm not going to try to name everybody without a list in front of me, but there's been some of the greats, some of the best of the best in the industry that have uh, graced the Turkey Callers of America platform, if you will. And uh, I want to thank you guys for being a part of them. Hey, Jimmy Bradley, what's up? Sand Hills hunt coming up. I'm not even putting in for Sand Hills this year. I'm not actually hunting over towards Myrtle Beach, Jimmy. But anyways, um, thank you all for attending. Thanks for the guys that's gone before me and made this thing great. Um, I'm going to talk real quick about TCOA. 
Uh, I'll let it build for a little bit more. We're up to 30. Um, hey, Shane. Hey, Megan. How are you doing? Um, and talk a little bit about TCOA and, and the rules and everything that's in place to make it the great group that it is and to make it the place where the industry greats will come and hang out with you guys. Um, but I'll, again, let the let the audience build just a second. But, um, hey, Doug, Brandon, Brandenburg, uh, probably coming to PA in 18. i got a good friend of mine, Jeremy Pollock, up there that I'm probably going to hunt with up in PA, and that'll be my first chance at a PA gobbler. Uh, Chris Baxter, thank you, and all the other fine gentlemen that's helping out, helping all the turkey hunters. You bet, Chris. It's a, it's a blast, and I know the other guys have had a blast, and uh, it's gone over really, really well. We've got more to come. Um, Big Larry Shockey's coming up Friday night, and um, I think Jim Pollard's still up, and I've got, uh, Ben Chamberlain, World Friction Calling Champion, Ben's going to come up. I haven't set a date for that yet. Um, there's a few others that I'm going to try to involve before we're all said and done with it. But uh, Philip Bryant, hey, brother, how's it going on? Hey, Chris Jones. Hey, Mike Batty. How are you, my friend? Dustin and Tina Gordley joined. Um, Adam Listapad, my neck of the woods brother in PA, yeah. Definitely want to get up and chase up in the uh, the hills and the hardwoods of PA. Hey, Bud Browning. How are you, buddy? Um, but but back to the group and what it is, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a very delicate balance. I've got 12 great admins that uh, help manage this group and keep it clean keep it user-friendly, keep it Christian-based, keep the profanity out of it, keep the ads down as best we can. We try to let them run when they can run, when they do a recommendation deal. Uh, We try to let those roll. Um, We've kept the integrity of the group clean and pure, and that's why there's 11,000 members, and that's why people like Denny Gulvis and Pat Strauser and Shane Hendershot and Joe Drake and Chris Parrish and Steve Stoltz and and many other guys that, sorry if I forgot any of you guys that's been on the Q&As, but that's the reason why that they are, they're there, Billy Argus. Um, so um, just follow the rules and and, uh, and keep it clean and talk about turkeys. That's really the gist of it. It's just that simple. It's Christian-based. If you need a prayer request, feel free to get on there and, and mention a, a prayer request. Jim Martin, i got to mention my buddy Jim Martin is fighting cancer right now. He's a heck of a turkey caller and a turkey hunter. Um, you guys say some prayers for my buddy Jim Martin. He is battling cancer right now, and he's whipping its butt for him. He's whipping its, he's whipping its butt. So, anyways, um, I guess we'll go ahead and get into the questions. Thanks for all you guys that are members. We've only got 32 people on right now. But thanks for all the members that are out there uh, that, that make TCOA what it is. And um, let's start going down here with the questions. Let's see. Don't forget Mike Miller. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. I'll have to reach out to him. I think we're friends on Facebook, Jared. Gaddis says, <clears throat> don't forget Mike Miller. I have to reach out to Mike. I don't know him that well. Um, when are you hunting around Myrtle Beach? Mark, I will be up in the Myrtle Beach area. Mark Prudhomme's on here with us. Um, April 4th through the 8th. I'll be coming in that Wednesday, Mark, and then hunting till, the, till that Sunday. And Kevin Kirkpatrick's going to hunt with me. And um, TJ Johnson for the Cincinnati Bengals has got some ground up there. So maybe we can get together and have lunch or something anyways. But uh, April 4th through the 8th, Mark. Thanks for, thanks for coming along, buddy. Uh, Billy Vaudry learned so much the other day. Can't wait for more info today. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, man. I'd li- be glad to share what I can share. Dylan Cade, how are you, buddy? Carrie Terrell, I know who that is. Hey, Carrie. Bradley Trent. Hey, Kathy, how are you? <laughs> Randy Dumez, I'll see you in April. Or no, May, my friend up in Wisconsin. Hey, Terry Durham. How are you, buddy? Um, 
So we'll just, I'll ramble on for a minute. And again, like I said, thanks for the members. Thanks for the group. Thanks for uh, understanding that we're trying to keep it clean as we can and keep it from being advertised. If you want to do a giveaway, let me touch on the giveaways. If you want to do a giveaway, contact Devin Duncan. He's the one heading up the giveaways now. It's a great way to get your product out there to uh, over 11,000 people. Um, so uh, contact Devin and get your giveaways. And that's how we advertise. And on these on these Q and A's, the guys that I've asked to do it, I said plug away. You know, you're you're donating your time and your your skills to the to the masses, and so talk to the people, tell them what's new from your product line, from your company, whatever. So that that's the only way we advertise, and we some of them get some of them ride. And, and remember this: we don't live on TCOA. All of us work real jobs, and a lot of us work real jobs, and then play in the outdoor industry as well. So people are slam busy. So if you see a post and it looks like it's an ad, you know, you can report the post. Um, you can message me or, or look at the list of admins, Kevin Kirkpatrick, Dennis Gray, Mickey Gray, Joe Slayton, Devin Duncan, Jonas Grissom, Darren, Derek Stallman. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings, but I think that's about everybody. But message some of the admin. They're, they're listed on the about part of the column. If there's a, 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 a post that looks like an ad and talk about it and tell us about it and we'll, we'll do something about it. But we're not there constantly. So sometimes they'll run for a couple of hours or even a day before somebody catches it. And there's so much activity right now. So anyways, moving on. Taylor Welch. Hey, Scott, how in the world do you make the purring sounds of the mouth, a diaphragm call? I can't seem to grasp it. How do you purr with a mouth call? Okay. So basically, we'll go over the purr real fast. And I'm doing this on a split V. Um, there's a, there's several ways of purring. There, you can do the motorboat, which is the most the least realistic, or you can do your tongue flutter, which is the way I do it, which is take a deep breath of air, relax your tongue, and blow air across it until you get it to vibrate. Okay. Now the other method that that I think Jesse Martin does it, Billy does it, a lot of people do it. I can't master it. Is the gargle, and that's when you you gargle your uvula in the back. I can't slow mine down enough to do it. So thank the, thank the good Lord that he blessed me to be able to roll my tongue. <laughs> but but I'm going to teach the tongue method, your tongue roll method. So you take the deep breath, you get your tongue rolling. <sighs> hey, Ricky Higgins and Hunter Staples. <sighs> and then I'm going to put air across it, but it's going to basically kind of sound like a fighting perk. Huh? From there, you start backing the air pressure down, and then you bring it into a contented sound and a soft sound. And if you can't do that, Taylor, and can't get the tongue roll, then go to a pot call and a, a you know a pot and peg, and just push a little pressure down and pull till it chatters. So if you can't do it on a mouth call, learn to do it on a pot and peg. But a mouth call is definitely the way to go because you don't you, it's hands-free operation. So let's scroll up, scroll up. I'm really struggling with perfecting my pearl on a mouth call, Megan. Uh, what are some tips? I just ran it down for you. Um, start with a large volume of air, like I said, and then bring it back down until you can do it contented. And if that doesn't work, go to a friction call. I mean, the other way again is is imagine putting water in the back of your putting water in your mouth and gargling. 
and then you what you do is you force air around your uvula and you cause it to vibrate and flutter and then that creates a purr i struggle with that i cannot i can't slow it down enough so <laughs> there you have it so that's why i elect to use the uh the roll the tongue roll so CJ Sharp, Zachary Goss, Nick Walker, TJ Harton, Caleb Westmoreland. Hey, how are you? I can with the slate, just not the diaphragm, Taylor says. Well, keep after it. Like I said, um, make it loud and make it aggressive and just to attain the tongue flutter and then try to back it down until you get it where it slows, the, it slows down a little bit. Ryan Greathouse, what's up, brother? Ernie Lemon, my buddy up in Idaho, killed some Miriams with him last year and a Rio with old Ernie up in Idaho. Hey, Brad, how are you? Let's ask some questions, people. This is a uh, locally at Chalk, WMA, Chocolatsky, maybe. What would be a good tactic calling words that have heard it all? That's a great question. One, add realism to your calling. Um, that's what I preach all the time. Two, pattern birds. Put your time in those in those woods. Use Google Maps. Pl- find places that look like they're off the beaten path. Try to get away from people. And three, depending on the time of the season, which is, you know, early season, you can give them a little bit more nasty talk. You can talk to them a little bit more. But as the season progresses, I think as turkeys get bumped and they get bumped by people running turkey calls and they start, I want to say, putting it together, I think that they get where they're less and less and less vocal. And that's when you do what the turkeys do when they're less vocal and just scale it down, cluck and purr, scratching the leaves. Um, and, and quite honestly, the run and gun type of deal on, and I don't know what management area that is. I, I'm guessing that maybe this Florida, you'd have to tell me the state, but Florida, whew, I've hunted state land all over the nation and Florida has got to be the worst I've ever seen. It is the worst. Um, there's more people trying to kill an Osceola and do it without paying an outfitter than any state I've ever seen. So, um, when that happens and you got that many people in the woods running and gunning, I mean, they just get less and less and less vocal as the time goes on. And, um. So I just sat and blind call, scratching the leaves, clucking, purring, soft yelp, and that's what kills lots and lots of turkeys for me on public ground when they're pressured. So the other thing is, too, put in for special op hunts and put in for quota hunts. Those WMAs get a little less pressure because there's only an allotted amount of people during each each hunt. So that will definitely um, up your odds of success if you can get in there with those type of people or those type of management areas where there's a few, just a few more, less people. Mike Batty, hey buddy, let me let's see. What's your favorite choke and shells you use turkey hunting? Um, well, I missed a question. Brad Shreve, hold on, Travis Ham, I'll get right to you. Scott, what's one thing that helps you distinguish the front and the back end of the elk? Thanks for enjoy your calling. Thanks, Brad. Uh, what's one thing that help that helps you distinguish it is just the pitch. I mean, remember a little bit of tongue pressure, finding that sweet spot on the call, and a little bit of tongue pressure is always going to be the front. It's going to be bubble clucks. It's going to be tree calls. It's going to be wines, that little sweet sound on the front. This is just a big old jagged split V. That's a split V. So, find the sweet spot. The distinguishing factor is the pitch, the high, the low. A little bit of tongue pressure to get that whistle, that whine. And drop the pressure down which activates the top read, allows the top read to flutter, and that creates the rasp. So, and run it together.
Pitch is what it does. It little tongue pressure at the start, drop the tongue pressure off at the back of the note, creates the rasp. Travis Ham, what's your favorite? What's your favorite choke in turkey shells? Travis, I'm shooting right now a Compen Choke 665 and TSS number nine. So I know everybody's been hearing a lot of hype about the TSS nine number nine, and it is not hype. The TSS number nine has the density of a lead four. It's a smaller diameter, so it penetrates better, and the velocity's there because you know you're you're reloading yourself, and the velocity's there just like it would be with a lead load. So uh, penetration's there. The pattern density is amazing, and it's awesome. Um, I'm sh you want to shoot it generally from the pros that have taught me about TSS is a, a less constrictive choke tube, like a 665, 670. 675 will, will pattern better than if you over-constrict it, it blows the pattern out. The uh, really, really tight, tight chokes, the 650, 655s, those are usually conducive with a lead load um, to get a better pattern. That's what I'm shooting. I'm working on doing some patterning with my buddy Robert McCormick. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, I've got a, a True Glow, which is one of my people, one of my folks, is going to send me a 665. I'm going to experiment with that. But Matthew Womack, Alabama. What's up, Alabama? Jimmy Bradley, South Carolina Birds. Mike Batty. Hello, my friend. Never hunted Florida. Are, are there tips if I go? Yeah, Mike. I mean, I've been hunting for 32 years, and the Osceola turkey. I've been hunting Easterns about 22 years, and I've hunted Osceolas 32 years, and I've killed a handful of Rios, Miriams, and Goulds. And the best thing I can tell you is that an Osceola is a little less vocal. He's a little more, uh, a little less flamboyant. He's a little more susceptible to overcalling. And uh, a lot of places in Florida that Osceolas live is really thick. And that may be one of the reasons why they don't gobble as much as they, the other subspecies will gobble. Because they're in tight, confined spaces and they gobble. They get pounced on by, by coyotes and bobcats and Florida panthers and everything else. So um, I would call less. I would do my homework. And um, they and, and less is more. Less is more. That's one tip I would give you, Mike. If you ever hunted Osceola's, less is definitely more than for you know a Miriam or a Rio Grande or even some Easterns. Now Easterns are a close second. I mean, I, I uh, I'm very delicate with an Eastern when I'm working them. I call them just as much as they need to be called to to get them in the gun range. So, anywho, there you go, Mike. Caleb Westmoreland. Hey Scott. Hope all is well. Why do you feel like the modified bring, V brings you the best sounds compared to the combo or Batwing? By the way, you sound awesome. Just curious. Well, thank you, Caleb. I appreciate it, buddy. I mean, I'm not saying it's, uh, why do I feel it sounds the best? It's, uh, it just creates that ringing nasally back end for me a little bit better. I mean, I can run a, a what this would be a, a, a modified cutter call. It's just a big old cut out of the side that I actually like kiki on, and then I notch, I put a 45-degree angle in the flap that's left over. And, I mean, I can roll every up on it. It's just, it's the hen in my ear that I hear that I can get closest to, and that's on a V then. But here's like a rollover you up on a, on a cutter stock phone. So to answer your question, like I said, is I just tend to like the hen that I create on a V more so than I do on any other call. So that's that's kind of my take on those, on the split V, the modified split V. Great question, thank you. Doug Brandenburg, have you ever had that one bird you hunted for many days or in a season or two that didn't kill, you didn't kill? Well, that's a great question because no, I really cannot say that I have because I bounce around and hunt so much whether it's WMAs, whether it is good private land, whether it's state to state to state, I really don't ever get a chance to hunt 
one particular bird over and over and over and over again because I don't have any ground in Florida. I can't afford a hunt and lease in Florida. <laughs> hunt and leases in Central Florida are average eight to ten thousand dollars a year, and uh, just don't have the money to get into that get into that racket there. So I get to go on a few invites um, with some great people, some great friends. Everything I do just about an invite or state land, and uh, so I never really have that one bird. I just try to find the one that's that's uh, workable and the one that will play the game basically. So I, uh, again, I don't have any consistent places I hunt. I'm you know I'm hunting about eight or nine different states this year. And uh, first couple of weekends, I hunted with Jake last weekend. He whacked a great gobbler down in uh, Arcadia, Florida. We're hunting fit, the famed Fish Eating Creek this weekend with my buddy Colton Cunningham and George Cozo, trying to get George on his first turkey. And then the next weekend's the youth hunt for the regular part of the season. We're hunting state land. Weekend after that's the opener. I'm hunting state land. And then after that, uh, after the, the uh, first weekend, I'm gone. I think I'm back in Florida one weekend. So I just don't have that consistency. But anyways, I've rambled on that long enough. Zachary Goss, my box call I'm making is almost done. I'll send you a pic and bid when it's done. All right, Zachary Goss, sounds good, buddy. Yeah, call making is awesome. I, I'd love to do a little woodworking, but I don't have the shop, and I don't have the wood, and I don't have the equipment. And uh, that, I made a box call when I was in shop class in my senior year in high school, and that was really cool. And um, still got it somewhere around here. And it'll call a turkey. That's what you say when you say something to somebody that, that you don't want to offend them, that don't sound the greatest in the world, but we'll call a turkey. It'll call a turkey. And that's about it. But I never... I never learned the, the art of, of, I mean, I have in theory, I understand how you tune a box call, and I've jacked around with the screw on a box call to change the, the angle of the lid. Um, Pat Strauser was on here a week ago, and gosh, I, I was loving all the woodworking stuff that Pat was talking about, the grain, and there's so much to it. There's so much to it. But, but yeah, send me the video, Zachary. Taylor Welch, also, can you give me tips for yelping with a diaphragm? I can do it, but need tips and strategies. Taylor, um, I need to know a little bit deeper what, you're, what do you mean about yelping. Yelping is a... A two-note um, sequence. It's a high. It consists of a high and a low. Um, a lot of people are just really, really raspy, and they're more raspy than anything. But it'll kill turkeys. It kills turkeys year in year out. Um, but it's it's just remember it's a high and a low, and then you run those two notes together, starting with the high, ending with the low, and then you condense it into a small note. And uh, that would be the best thing I could tell you, uh, other than needing something specific. So type away. Let me know for something specific. Bo Brooks, what's your favorite cut? cut the yelp on a mouth call it's a it's a modified split v it's it's my uh my v with the wingtips trimmed off and that allows you to get a little bit better front end on it i've got a whole slew of them laying over here so these are brand new calls this one was built today but my favorite call to yelp on is a v um i can yelp on anything but but a fella asked me earlier why is the modified v what i go to because the hen that i hear in my head that i hear that i've heard over and over again in the woods and recordings, that I can get closest on a V than I can anything else, I guess, is be the easy answer. Terry Durham, Big T. No, sir, I'm not going to the Worlds. I'm going to be turkey hunting this weekend, brother, and next weekend. Matter The Worlds, uh, Jake's youth hunt in the central and the north zones opened up, so I'll be turkey hunting, man. That Worlds is a bad time for us Florida hunters. It just doesn't. If I can get in the woods and kill a turkey, I'm going to kill a turkey. I love to get on the stage and call, but. Not going to be my bag of tricks. Not not at least if if Jake has grown and it's not a youth hunt or something like that that it falls on, I might consider doing it again. But I think I haven't called in like five years at the world um, just because I've been turkey hunting. So, Jason Curry, how are you? Zach Weagle, how are you? Simon Ellis, what's up, my brother? Adam Riley, where can I find a call like that? Sounds great, buddy. <laughs> Adam, you know where I live, dude. Just just holler at me, man. Come on by the, the man cave and we'll, we'll hook it up. Um... 
Brad Shreve, thanks God, I truly appreciate it. You're welcome, brother, you're welcome. Troy Floyd, what up, dog? Kathy, I think all you guys have taken the time to do this and help answer questions. For these watchers, is a great thing. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Kathy. I'm very humbled, and I, I'm so honored that the guys that have partaken in this and all my buddies in the industry have, have stepped up. And I, Every one of them that did it has came to me and said, you will not believe the messages and the, and the people coming up to me that have said, I really enjoyed that. I took so much out of that. So thanks to all my buddies that have done this before me. I uh, we got more to come, but I'm humbled to be a part of it and to, to do it. So thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate Shane doing it too. Uh, Gavin Brown, when do you use your tube call? Locating only. Gavin Brown, and there's my tube call. That's a Kevin Kirkpatrick special right there, made out of some kind of. If Kevin's out there on there, he can probably tell y'all it's some kind of wood that was he found in Canada, and. Um, I use my tube call mainly for locating. I, I every now and again, if I've if I've got a bird that's acting stubborn, and he's not, and he's kind of hanging, I'll I'll hit him on the tube call just to give him a different hen sound. But I don't go anywhere without. If I'm going to run and gun, I mean, I get tired of running mouth calls, honestly, and and I in the woods constantly. So I do a ton of locating with this, and I do a ton of locating with the real hen, the wood even real hen box call. Um, that's my two that slide in and my. The box call slides out of my vest really quick. It has great sound and volume. And ultimately, the tube call, um, you know, Mark Prudhomme, thanks, Mark. I, I left Mark out earlier. But Mark did a great deal of trumpet calling on his Q&A. And, I mean, I'm really interested by the call. I'm not very proficient. I can make a yelp on it. But but I think the thing, the commonality between a tube call and a trumpet or a wing bone is the unique sound. I mean, it's turkey, but you got to figure when, when hunters go in the woods, 90% of them are really raspy on a mouth call, and they hear that over and over again. And when you give them that different, that unique, different hen voice, I think it just does does a great thing for locating and, and um, striking a bird. And the tube call is really, really loud as well, so that's another thing. But it just has this really rich, rich tone, and, and I love it, man. I love running a tube call. That's about what I do most of my running and gunning with, and, and, I, and I, I don't really sit down and just say I'm going to call one in with them with a tube call, but every now and again, I'll, I'll, I'll throw him some yelps and some cutting on it. Uh, Terry Barentine, Barentine, what is your favorite call? Mouth call is going to be my favorite call, buddy. Um, I, I love the blind call. The older and slower I get, I, I sit down at the bases of trees and turkey infested areas, and I love to set up and call. And as I do that, I love running my friction stuff, my pot and pegs, my box calls. Um, but when it comes down to overall sound quality and versatility for me, uh, I'm gonna run a mouth call. It's you know when you got a bird coming in and you're yelping and clucking and purring, you're you're like this, looking down that barrel and you ain't got to do nothing but just move your mouth. That's a big advantage. Um, it's a very big advantage. I think it's a disadvantage. I'll add to the guys that are proficient on them because I think what kills a lot of turkeys. And I read a post that somebody put up a while back um, about this, where it said that do uh, you think that a pot collars kill friction collars kill a lot of turkeys because when that bird starts closing. They lay the call down and quit calling, and I think 100,000% that is a, is correct. I think that those those friction callers, when the bird, I mean, you can run a cluck and purr with a pot laid on the ground with one hand and a striker. You can do it, but I think ultimately a lot of the guys get the bird coming and they shut up, and that's the first thing I'll tell people when a bird hangs up is just shut up for 15, 20 minutes and watch him play cat and mouse and watch the bird come in, and I think that's what friction callers do and why a lot of friction callers are super successful. So... Mike Camilli, Scott, when dealing with a bird that's just across the property line, what would be your first move? That's a great question. Oh, my gosh. First move would be 
I mean, you don't want to get on a man's fence line and, you know, you obviously want to call the bird through the fence or through the property line, the, the established property line, and call him into where your setup is. So the first thing I'm going to do is probably try to really get his attention and get him jazzed up real good, and I'm going to do a lot of cutting and yelping, uh, excited, and try to get him wound up. What I'm going to do then is I'm going to start easing off of that property line, maybe go in, maybe 50, 7,500 yards, and then set up and then shut up. And then try to play cat and mouse with him, just like I spoke on before. And um, if that doesn't work, if, if, you know, if, if moving off of him, calling, moving back and off the property line to suck him in, and then shutting up for 15, 20 minutes doesn't work, then I'm going to activate the can calling again and get, engage him a little bit. You know, if he is, it all depends on whether he moved closer. If he moved closer, I may stay shut up. If he moved closer for five minutes, worked his way closer, then he kind of hung up, then I might cluck and purr, scratch in the leaves. Um, it's all based on his forward progression. But if none of that works, ultimately I'll gobble at him, stage a fight, you know, with my wing, do some fighting purrs, that type of thing. But try to call to him close to the property line and then suck him back in off the property line. That way you can get him across the, the uh, boundary and hopefully kill him. So, um, let's see. Oops, I'm losing stuff. I lost something here. A whole bunch of stuff. What did I do? Oh, there we go. There we go. Ian McClellan. Hey, Scott, can you give any tips on the differences between the alarm putt, cutting clucks? Also, how do you make sure you aren't make, mixing the two up? Okay. Um, I think a, a, an alarm putt has more of a hollow, high-pitched tone to it. Um, it's more stern. Uh, I'll try to demonstrate it. Let's see if I can... If I can demonstrate it, I don't know how the sound quality on these phones. I don't know how this is working out for us. I'll probably sound like an, a rookie amateur on here, but I mean, a, an alarm putt to me has a popping, more hollow, more high pitch sound with a little less rasp. Let's see if I can alarm putt. Now a cluck, you're going to have that less stern, less con, less uh, hollow, pitchy sound. And it's going to be more content. Now, the other key to that, and I don't know if you can even hear the differences I just made there, but the biggest key to that is the is the especially if it's a turkey where there's turkeys around each other, is watching his body language. Watch that turkey when he gives that sound. And watch how he becomes alert. His head comes up. He's looking. It's a nervous uh, back and forth type sound. And they're they're inquisitive and they're looking. And and I mean, if they truly alarm putt, they're not going to hang around very long, anyways. But um, and then cutting, comparing it to cutting, cutting is just going to be a little sharper, a little more raspy. The rhythms are very different. The rhythms are very different, and the pitch is less now. Let me, let me. So if I'm going to cut, I'm obviously going to pop it one two one two. Sharper, higher pitched, not so hollow sounding. Alarm putt. Hear that? That's that. Those little pauses in between there. A lot of it is the rhythm. And a little bit of it is the pitch. And the other thing is just if you can watch a bird do it, you can immediately see that they're alerted. And if there's another turkey in that vicinity, granted, they, they immediately can key on the pitch change. But God forbid they do that and they see that bird become alert and that head starts jerking around. So as far as actually doing it in the woods and spooking a turkey, 
I think you'll be safe as long as you cut with a little bit faster rhythm and you cluck with a lot less volume and a lot less intensity. And then if you do those two things, I don't think you'll ever nail the alarm putt, if that makes sense. Let's uh, see, Travis Ham, I know Robert, he hooked me up with a Jeb's Choking Constriction 650 and it's pretty tight. Well, good deal, Travis Ham. Robert McCormick is a great guy and a good friend of mine. Hunter Lemoyne, what's up, brother? I'm going to hopefully hook up with you whenever uh, we're up in uh, hunting that WMA land. You're hunting with Randall. I'll try to hook up with you, brother. Shay Cessna, how are you? Tony Young, not in North Florida, cheaper here. Cheaper here. I have no idea. Did I miss something there, Tony Young? What's cheaper in North Florida? That may be a loaded question. <laughs> Keith Lede, hey, buddy, how are you? Cole Parrish, Howard Sheckles, Tony, don't give out all the secrets. What's cheaper in North Florida, Tony? The turkey hunts? Probably because they're Easterns. <laughs> Jason Yarbrough, what's up, buddy? One of my Woodhaven guys. J.W. Moore, hey, man. How about some good tube calling tips? Uh, tube calling tips. Well, what do you want to know, Mr. Sheckles? My old buddy, Howard Sheckles. <laughs> tube calling tips. Um, golly, buddy. Um, keep your reed tuned. I know that I'm constantly pulling and tugging on my reed to reset it and to retune it because uh, latex, I think, in recent years does not have the elasticity that it once had. And when that being said, I feel like I'm constantly having to tune my tube call to make sure it rolls over right. So um, keep a good fresh piece of latex on your tube call. That'd be a great tube call tip for cutting. Um, it's really easy. Just Take your tongue, put it to the roof of your mouth, and then say the word tick. But the key is keeping the, your tongue to the roof of your mouth and then breathing tick. Like so. To yelp, a little bit of pressure of, on, all right, here we go, Howard. Bottom lip, half on the on the uh, sound plate and half on the reed. Make it squeal, make it whistle. <laughs> to get it to break over, you actually push a little pressure and push your tongue, your your bottom lip forward. <laughs> and you can hear the roll just then, and then run it together to make the up. There you go. That's tube calling 101, Howard. <laughs> Michelle Ledbetter. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Scott. Tell Jake congratulations. I will, Michelle. We miss you. We miss you, buddy. We miss you. All right. Let's see. Uh, Cheech Neary joined. Hey, Cheech. Congratulations. This is, oh, that's not, nobody's saying anything. <laughs> Ryan Greathouse. When you call, do blow out air like digging up Ryan Greathouse, you're speaking in those daggone riddles again. I told you no trick questions. When you when you call, do blow out air. Do you blow out air like digging up a window? I don't think I've ever dug up a window, buddy. So please demonstrate. I try to teach people the same process. Maybe you mean fogging up a window. Fogging or panting. Maybe that's what you're, yeah. 100%. Um, that's what I teach. So I've got a little YouTube clip that talks about panting or fogging a mirror. And I think what that does is it activates your diaphragm. Another great tip is lay on your back in the floor, on a hard floor, and put in a mouth call, and then run the call. If I had a camera guy, I would do it for you to show you how funny it is to watch, but you can see your belly jumping because 
what happens is your body weight compresses your lungs and it makes it harder for you to expel air out of your lungs. So if you lay on the ground to do it, you have to activate your diaphragm to get air blowing your mouth call. But yeah, panting, <laughs> you see a dog in the summertime when a dog's hot, <laughs> it's, that's coming from deep. The, whole, the, the, the dog's whole chest is jumping. So putting in a mouth call, and that's the panting. You can see me literally bouncing on my little futon couch right here. And that's, that's panting. That's why you see the guys that are diaph true diaphragm, diaphragm panters. I can't even talk tonight. That you see them. Now, you have to conceal that a little bit whenever you're on a turkey and you're yelping at him. You want to kind of blow a little bit more and, and muffle it down because you don't want your... You don't want to be bouncing up and down when you're trying to call on a turkey. But, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Pan Fog in the mirror, Ryan Greyhouse. Thanks, brother. Hunter Lemoyne, what's sack? Man, I don't. <laughs> you guys are throwing me for a loop here on live Q and A. What's sack? I don't know, bro. Anyways, what is your favorite cutting call? Competition and hunting. I do everything on a V, man. The only thing I don't do on the stage is cluck and purr. And uh, Kiki on the stage, and I use a combo, a cutter, a modified cutter to Kiki and to, to Cluck and Purr. But fly down cackles, cutting, yelping, um, well, tree call, tree call. I mean, I can do it all on a V, but when we're on the stage, we're obviously refining the best of the best. So um, tree call is a modified cutter. Kiki runs a modified cutter. Cluck and Purr is a modified cutter. Everything else is a V. So, yeah, I got you, Ryan. I, I figured it out. Thanks for that. Thanks for the uh, encrypted message lester williams my old buddy from texas how are you man van walthen hey buddy joe slayton could you please do the cluck key yelp the turkey did last weekend oh yeah that was awesome i i heard doug herman put a file up it's so funny joe we, i did a q a on my my uh business page what two nights ago and i had a hen doing this last week and and i'll be danged if if doug herman didn't put up a video of a um some miriam's hens doing it and and what basically what I hear is it's it's her starting with that squeaky front brings it into a key and then yelps and it's uh, something might work pretty good on the stage if you didn't confuse the heck out of the judges but she started with that real high pitched squealy start to the yelp went into the whistle and then she yelped now I don't know where the cluck came into that Joe but but I heard Viv. Just like that, you'd hear that that squealy front start go into a couple of note whistle, and then she'd yell. But I heard that last weekend, and Doug put up a video of him doing it like yesterday in Nebraska somewhere. So very, very cool. Neat, neat call to to uh, think about doing a kiki run on the stage. I don't know if it go over the judges' heads or not, but but thanks, Joe. Eric Mail, hey Eric Scott Fletcher, hey my Florida Osceola turkey call buddy uh, Hunter. I meant to say what's up, sack. <laughs> What's up with the sacks, dude? This is G-rated. Come on, Hunter. Brent, Brett Swart. I'm not even going to. Brett, how are you, buddy? Hi, Scott. Show us how to do the purr. We did that earlier, my friend. We'll, we'll do it again real quick. And again, this is on a V. Um, I'll do some clock on purring for you.
There's a little purr. That's just on a straight V, split, split V. Alright, um, Kevin Drake, Shane Martinez, what's up brother? Hey Ray I, how are you? Ray I, call me, we want to get you on here to do one of these buddy. Derek Stallman, Ashby Taylor, hey guys, how are y'all doing? Hi brother, Kevin Drake, what is your favorite mouth calling technique produce a gobble? I, God, I got asked this the other night, I'm not a, I'm not the best gobbler on a mouth call, but a V is a good one, I, I know I think Joe uses a bat wing. Joe Slayton, get on here and reply. I don't know. But um, it's whatever you can get the rich tone of a gobble out of. And, and it's just simply saying, tuka, tuka, tuka. You tuka, 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 tuka. Same thing you do on a tube call. You just do it with your mouth, the mouth call in your mouth. And... and I'm not the greatest gobbler with mouth call, but it's tuka, 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 That's all it is. So there's not a... I mean, it's just, you can do it on any mouth call. Obviously, something a little bit deeper in pitch would probably be the best bet for you. I lost a toothpick. So that's my buddy Kevin Drake up in North Carolina. Mike Pentecost joined in. My goodness gracious. He must have a lot of spare time. That's all I can tell you, Mike Pentecost. Um, Chris Robinson. Hey, buddy. Mike Rowland. Mike Walters. Bo. Kokla, how you doing? Matt Wilburn, hey buddy. Mike Rowland, good evening. Brian Yeomans, how are you, buddy? Uh, Tony Young says we have a couple small acre leases that are affordable. Okay, that's what he was talking about. I didn't know what he was talking about that was cheap in North Florida. I, I wasn't going to go there. But Jeff Weber, my New York redneck brother, be hunting with that cat up here in a couple months in mid-May. Let's hear that nice tree yelp fly down combo. Brandon Hurd. All right, let's see if we can... This is a call I literally built about an hour ago. Let's see if I can do it on this one. Off light arm cackle. That's on a V I built an hour ago. As you can see, it says 3117, March 1st. Built it just a little while ago. All right. Sorry that I'm looking down every time I go through a call, but it's OCD kicking in. I pick a call. As soon as I get done with it, I pick it. Um, don't want the reads to stick together. Um, Landon Currington joined. Good to see you. Steve Scott, good to see you, buddy. Gary Chase. When Denny Galvis was on, he said he wasn't going to put on the audio tape on Turkey Sound. I sure think it would sell. Wow, would it ever. I mean, I've, I've been provoking him, too. I've been aggravating him. I said, Denny, with all the knowledge that you have, um, it would be a sin for it to ever not be published and for the diehard turkey hunters that, that are in love with the art of calling a wild turkey and communicating with wild turkeys to not be able to capitalize and then learn from it. So... I, if you know Denny Galvis, he's gonna he's gonna give me some crap about this. But if you know Denny Galvis and you're friends with him on Facebook, find him and ask him to please put out that audio DVD because it would be a huge hit. Um, I, I um, Denny has expressed that you know the same thing that a lot of us that are true um, uh, communicators with the wild turkeys. What I'm trying to say, we're we're all hunters, but the people that are really in love with the really have the romance. With, with calling and communicating with the bird and not just calling at him and learning the language. Um, 
feel like that's kind of been lost in recent years with, with decoys and blinds and everything else. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I, I always put this out there when I do these things. I don't fault anybody that's doing something legal and having fun doing it and killing and being successful. That's your own prerogative. But there's a, there's different types of turkey hunters. And, and for the ones that love the communication factor of a wild turkey and love talking to a wild turkey, Danny Galvis, please put out your audio CD. I'm sure tons of people would, would agree. And attend. I mean, tons, I mean thousands would would be standing in line to buy it. I know I would buy like 10 copies of it. I have a copy everywhere I went, so I had it with me. So thanks, Gary, for Chase for that. Casey Johnson, what's the best advice on getting front-end yelps on a diaphragm and tell Jake congrats on his bird? I will do that. Thank you, sir. Um, front-end front end yelps on a, uh, let's see, let me read that again. What's the best advice on getting front-end yelps? I don't know if you mean to front-end yelp. Like Shane Hendershot kind of has a bigger front and a little less back. I don't know what you mean exactly, Casey. I mean, um, there's if you want to carry more front, you hold your tongue on the call longer. So I'll, I'll demonstrate it and try to explain it. Um, if you want a if you want to transition Yelp and get it into the back, you drop your tongue off quicker. So let's see if this one goes. Let's. Uh, So I'm going to drag my tongue and hold it. So I'm dragging my tongue a little bit. This is not the cleanest front. But but now if I transition you up, I'm going to drop it, and then I'm going to get into the rasp a lot quicker. back to the front you can hear me that front dragging a little bit more so tongue pressure at the start of that note is what will keep you carrying that front just a little bit longer and that finding that sweet spot in any call whether it's a bat wing a v a combo cutter whatever finding that sweet spot and then starting from that sweet spot is where you carry that front and you'll get that front note so Let's see, Corey Welch, bringing in a few sacks of crawfish down for the opener. I hope you can make it. I hope to make it too, Corey Welch. What's up, brother? I know him and Robert McCormick are hunting, and y'all are going to be down here somewhere, I think, my neck of the woods. I'm going actually a little bit north, and uh, Mike Mizell got thrown in the mix, but I think he's out, so I don't know. We'll try to catch up, brother. Just give me a holler when y'all get into town, and we start knocking down the birds, I hope. Uh, Rick Knuff, join. Thanks. Hey, Rick. Great to have you. Kyle Turner, Tracy Jacobs. My good buddy Chuck Etchenique. What's up, Chuck? Ricky Higgins. The laying in the floor while calling is actually an exercise that I was taught to help with auctioneering. Lay flat and auction. It will definitely help with calling. There you go. Thanks, Ricky Higgins. I appreciate it, buddy. Because I guess Ricky's an auctioneer and a turkey caller, Virginia State champion. And um, uh, either either exercise will the the exercise will apply to either thing, which is activating the diaphragm in auctioning or running a mouth call if you're wanting to blow that style. Chuck Etchenique, you're killing me, brother. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Kevin Kirkpatrick, hey, my dear friend and Kevin Kirkpatrick, hunting with my buddy up in South Carolina in a couple weeks. Dave Constantine, hey, Dave. Award-winning, award-winning turkey call maker, Dave Constantine, like won everything in the Grand Nationals. Dave, forgive me for not knowing exactly the names, but he's won a pile. He's a very gifted artist is what he is. Just got a chance to tune in, buddy. Lots of good info. Thanks, Kevin. Harold Kennard joined Todd Perkins. Scott. Hey, Todd Perkins. How are you? Virginia, buddy. How are you? Adam Campbell. Hey, Scott. I've improved greatly on my mouth calling thanks to you, your DVDs, and your tube. 
your YouTube. Keep them coming. Thanks, Adam. That's awesome to hear, buddy. That's what I'm here for, to help a brother out. <laughs> Great to hear it, man. I hope you call in a lot of turkeys and kill them this spring. Randall Marsh, Stinger Pro from North Palm, West Palm Beach, Florida. My buddy I was hunting with down uh, last weekend where Jake killed his bird. And a uh, dear friend of mine, great guy, great outfitter business, South Zone Outfitters. If you want to kill an Osceola, look him up. Bradley Trent, Mike P. is secretly taking notes. I know Bradley. I know Mike Pentecost is over there like this right here. Yeah, I know what he's doing. He's being sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> Chase says, now how do you do that soft cluck with the tree call? Good question. That soft cluck is produced by... Um, Again, I go back to it. I teach it. My DVDs is is the sweet spot. That's the clean part where you find the clean note on the call. And all I'm doing after that fact is breathing the word, breathing the word wit. You're throwing air on the just on the bottom reeds. If you don't shut it down, the top reed will vibrate and you'll get rasped and you'll you'll get this. You hear the rasp. So you you put your tongue up against the call and hold it. The T, you accentuate the T in wit. Like so. And all you're doing from that point is you're keeping that top reed from vibrating and you're activating the bottom two reeds with that little burst of air. And that's where the shorter reeds are where you get the front end of a yelp because it's going to be shorter. Harmonics, the shorter the reed, it's like a thin guitar string. The shorter the reed, the thinner the string, the higher the pitch. And that's how you get the higher pitch. Now you can add more pressure and go as high as you want. You know, like so, and that's how you do it. Breath the word wit, activate the bottom two reeds, and, and accentuate the T in the word wit, in the word wit, and that'll cause you to not rasp, and it'll get that little bubble cluck. And you can do that on any call. I mean, you can do it on a straight V, you can do it on bat wings, you can do it on anything. And the, the less raspy calls are a little bit easier to do it on than a, than a split V. My gosh, I've got to be way behind. Um, Joe Slayton, I use a three-reed three turkey foot cut. That's what Joe uses to gobble on. If you, if you didn't catch Joe's Q&A, sorry I forgot to mention you, my friend, uh, just remember there's a search engine in TCOA. If you're on a laptop, I think you can even do it. You can do it from your cell phone. There'll be a bar that says search, and then you click it, and it says in group. Type um, Shane Hendershot, Joe Slayton, Jesse Martin, whoever and you'll be able to dig up their post, and you should be able to find their Q&As. There's a ton of these things floating around now That's we're getting 100 posts a day, so they get lost in, in the mix. But if, you'll, if you have a guy you want to go back and watch, just search his name in that little search engine, you can go back and find it. But Joe, but back to that, Joe did a, go, a lot of Goblin in his segment on Goblin. Joe's a Grand National Goblin champion, and that's, by God, what he does really, really, really well. But Brian Yeomans, you got my neighbor's turkeys Goblin. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Awesome, Brian. Good luck this weekend, B. I uh, give me a holler. We'll try to hook up this weekend. Lake Northup, sweet con. Thanks, brother. Howard Shekels, is your mouth called Magic Three? Possibly in the future. No, I think I've I think I've wore out that welcome, Howard. But now, I have actually contemplated a um, a a uh, conversation type DVD, something about engaging a, a gobbler in, in conversation and not calling at a gobbler, but calling with a gobbler and conversating with a gobbler. So I thought about that, and, you know, more of uh, uh, the name's been penned before, but the art of communicating or whatever to a wild turkey, that's something I definitely entertain the idea of doing. But no more, I don't think I can reinvent the wheel anymore the, what I, the way I teach running mouth calls, Howard, but thanks for asking, buddy. Um, Mitchell Johnson, hey, Mitchell. 
Gotta give you, I gotta call you. Remind me to call you. Text me tomorrow, Mitchell. I gotta talk to you, buddy. I'd like you to do one of these two, man. Tanner Kleitz, W-H-T-S. I'm not good on that lingo, so I'm not 100% sure what that means. I hope it's not bad. Tony Young, amen. Bradley Miller, absolutely. Thank you. I don't know what, I don't know which part. Hey, Scott Sweet Scholar, we need to hang out. I can learn a lot from you. Thank you, Lee Osborne. I appreciate it, buddy. Dave Constantine, great job. Super calling, bro. Thank you, Dave. Super call making, Dave. He's an amazing dude. Cody Kovac joined. Hey, Cody. Tanner Kleitz, what's your opinion or advice on decoys? That's a great, that's a great question. I am not a decoy man. Um, i got to give my dissertation here. I learned to hunt turkeys in public ground in central Florida in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. I was, we'll call it late 80s. And um, I learned, one, I couldn't afford a decoy as a kid. My parents really couldn't either. But two, I learned to use setup and being realistic and patterning birds. I mean, the woodsmanship part came, honestly, as much as I love to call and, and like to think I've, I've taken calling to a different level, at least more like turkeys, um, I learned the hard way of, of getting in management areas and having to pattern birds and really put your time in to know where the birds were, what they were doing, and where they were at, what part of the breeding cycle they were in, to capitalize on what their weakness was at that point. And then after about a year or two of me running calls and running calls, I started realizing, holy crap, the more I sound like a turkey, the the better I became. So the, the more turkeys I killed. So when I start talking about decoys, I mean, I told this story on my Q&A the other night. I used the decoys with Steve Stoltz. When the Strutters hit the market about eight or nine years ago, Steve, I had, I, I, I bought the Bass Pro and bought one. I go, let's try this thing, see what it does. And we were very, very successful with the, the Strutter decoy uh, on Osceola's. Um, after that, I never, it's still in my shed hanging. I, don't th- I think it's been in there for nine years. The paint's falling off of it. The other, the last turkey I killed before that nine years ago was Jay Scott from GouldsTurkeyHunt.com. When I went to Mexico, Jay said, I killed the first bird, just calling him in. Good setup. Called him right in. Um, the second morning, we roosted the birds, and Jay's like, put in the, uh, put up the Jake decoy. Just trust me. These ghouls are very, I've literally never seen one shy from a decoy. And that's what happened to me early on in my turkey hunting uh, career, if you will, was I had birds that were shying away from the decoy regularly. And, and it was the old feather flex. Them things, you know, they look like a spray-painted garbage bag. But, you, you know, the realism that they have out now is amazing, what they're doing with decoys. But, um I had several of them shy, would, would lock up at 60, 70 yards, and and that just ruined me a decoy. So I don't use decoys. I mean, I don't own a Dave Smith or an Avian X. Or I own one old strutter I bought nine years ago in the shed that's hanging in there in the bag it was in nine years ago, and that's the only decoy. I don't go to the woods. I don't depend on them. I depend on woodsmanship and great calling. Um, that's what I depend on to kill turkeys. I don't lean on a decoy. For those who use them, that's great. It's a great tool. I, I Maybe I, I would have killed a few more turkeys that I have without using a decoy, but I do pretty well without using decoys. So I just, you know, I, I'd, by the time a turkey, when I use my setup, okay, when I set up where I do, it's always the bird has to come take a look, and by the time he takes a look, he's in gun range and he dies. So, I mean, outside of a, a field bird, you know, there's not very many situations where a, d- a decoy was going to make or break anything I did. It was all based on setup and communicating with the gobbler. It's that simple. So, anyways, I, I got long winded on that. Sorry, Tony Young. If it's legal, let people hunt the way that you they want. I, yeah, Tony, I agree 100. percent I don't know what you're talking about exactly, but I agree. I don't fault anybody for fanning or reaping or anything. I don't like it. I don't do it. But as long as it's legal and they're in the sport and they're doing it, then then have at it. It ain't my business what they're doing. People get. I'm gonna get off my soapbox. 
Y'all quit worrying about what other people are doing and just enjoy hunting while you like the hunting. And quit bashing people because you see their fanny. I, I mean, you don't have to get on there and say anything. You don't have to like it, but but all it does is cause a big ruckus, a ruckus among the hunters. It's horrible for hunting. It's horrible for the masses of hunters that need to band together and be one. So just embrace it. It's hunting. They do it different than you, so it is what it is. Moving on. I'm off my soapbox. Jason Mann, will you use the wine feeding call as part of your soft talk? Do you be able to close this? Absolutely. I mean, you got to figure, brother, a lot of people don't know how to do a wine. Turkeys do it all the time when they're soft calling. And it's one of those things that I do in a management area on a pressure bird when I'm doing nothing but soft calling anyways. Dude, you throw that wine in those soft muted yelps, like, you know, tree call yelps, soft muted yelps, throaty yelps, with clucking and purring and whining and you scratching the leaves. I, I th- you know, you try to go, can a turkey rationalize whether he's hearing a human or he's hearing a, a turkey? Probably not. But I think that you can convince them that that is a real bird, if that makes sense. That's like a double negative there. But I think if they hear things they haven't normally heard, that may be the deal sealer for them to think that there might actually be a hen there they're hearing, and it's not them being bumped by a human being they've heard running turkey calls, if that makes sense. But, yes, to answer your question, uh, I love to do it. I love to do it when I'm line calling or, or definitely when you've got a bird hung up. So, Do you believe turkey see ultraviolet from clothing? That is, I had to take a drink for that one. That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I know. I don't know. I know they have rods and cones in their in their eyes so they can see color. But I don't know. Um, you, just remember this. This would be my best way to, to answer that. When you walk into the woods with your best hunting buddy and his camo has been washed 972 times and literally the pattern is non-existent and it's that white color, don't think for a, a second that doesn't stand out to a turkey. So I don't know if they see ultraviolet, but I know that if it's faded and loses its its um, depth and its distinguished features of the pattern, then you should throw it away and get some new camo. But I see it all the time. People go out there hunting and, and it glows literally because of the white. When the sun starts cracking, that stuff glows. Even, I mean, I've got some camo I'll throw away that just starts to fade a little bit. And I'll be out in the morning at daybreak and all of a sudden you'll look down at daybreak and you'll see that stuff glowing. It's just the, the, it's lost, it's the, the darkness, the shadowing effect. And I'll throw it in the garbage once it starts fading. So, anyways, I'm probably way behind. Thanks, bud. Answered my question. It's been kicking my butt. Thank you, Jake Casey Johnston. Mitchell Johnson, what's up, buddy? Tony Young, love me some mud bugs. Yes, sir. Hunter Berkeley, what? Got you into calling competitively. Now, that's a cool question. Um, God, i got to quit getting so long-winded because I'm way behind. Um, what got me into competition calling was when I figured out that sounding more like a turkey killed more turkeys. Kind of common sense, right? I mean, honestly, woodsmanship, scouting, patterning kills birds. I get it. But the more you sound like the thing you're trying to imitate and that the thing that the other thing is trying to breed and have babies with and, and fertilize eggs with, it only makes perfect sense, right, that it's going to kill more turkeys. When I did that and established that, I started excelling at mouth calls. I was a little fella. And uh, at the age of 17, I said, you know what, I'm really good at this crap. I'm going to give it a whirl. And that's when I called my first contest at the Florida State Senior in 1992. And I placed sec- second in the senior to Steve Kazmierski. I don't know if there's any old-time callers on here watching tonight, but but he, uh, he won the juniors at the Grand Nationals way back in the day when there was only a juniors and a seniors. There wasn't an intermediate. It wasn't a Pultz. But Kazmierski won the Florida State a bunch of years in a row. He was the guy to beat. And I was a 17-year-old kid, and I played second behind him. And, and then I went in the Army, and I didn't call for like five years. But anywho, that's what got me into doing it, sounding more like a turkey. Um, that's That was compelled me to, to put, take it to the stage. 
Scott, this is Dave Penninger from Lexington, North Carolina. What type of mouth call do you like moody? That's a spell check there, buddy. <laughs> this Q&A has been the, uh, the all-time great spell check oddities. What, mouth, what type is mouth call do you like moody? I don't know what moody means, buddy. What, um, give me Retype that for me. Ricky Joe, what's up, my friend? Strawser, what's up, Patty? Hey, buddy. Dave Penninger, what mouth call do you like the most? I like a split V. Um, I like a modified split V. I say modified only because the wingtips are clipped off, and it allows you to get a little bit pure, cleaner sound on it. Love a split V. Dave, uh, let's see. Todd Perkins. Hey, Todd. Scott, can you talk on the ghost cut some? I struggle with it more than any other cut. When I run a bat, it, it's good. It sounds turkey. When I try to run a ghost, it sounds clowny. Um, can you offer any advice? You're probably, God, I don't even know if i got a ghost cut laying around. I'm not a, I'm not a big ghost cut guy. But if I was to guess, the clowny is probably um, maybe because the center hole, you're getting that squeal out of the center maybe. Um, let me see if I've got one that's worth a crap right here. Here's our, this is our new Ninja Ghost um, from Woodhaven that I have in here. And it's not picked, so let me rip the reeds apart. But you're probably getting, Todd, you're probably getting that center reed, the bottom center reed to activate. And it's kind of getting squealy maybe when you say clowny. Like, <coughs> hear that squeal? <coughs> and maybe that's what you're encountering. And the only thing to do to counter that is just, Try to chop it off as quick as you can, or, or call right or left of that that centerpiece. If you call a little bit right or left to center on one of those wings, Todd, that might help you get that clowny, squealy sound. If that's what you're talking about, that may be what it is. So give that a try, buddy. All right, let's see here. Jeff Sipe, my old buddy from North Carolina, Jeff Sipe. What's going on, brother? Scott Manning, hey, man, how are you? Del Crow, yeah, boy, live feet finally working for me. Hey, Del, God almighty, good to see you, man. Del and I was on a message board together like 20 years ago. I remember Del Crow. How are you, brother? Old Georgia boy, I believe. Tony Harrison, what mouth call would you recommend for beginners? Um, I always get asked that, and, and some people will tell you a single read or a double read, but I find it easier... For the average guy, that's probably it depends on your level of, of dedication to practice and how good you want to get. If you want to practice a lot, you really want to take it to another level, maybe start with a double read call, a straight double read. And I don't have a straight double read laying here, but what you're going to get is you're going to get that distinctive high-low rollover pitch. And there's not going to be any rasp, so it's going to be really hard to cut on or anything else. So once you learn those mechanics of that rollover yelp, then you can translate that into a ghost cut, a combo cut, a bat wing, and you can it'll probably be easier to get that rollover yelp with a little bit of rasp. But for the beginner guy, I recommend like a, a, a combo cut. A, a, my signature V is easy. That That's my actual Woodhaven V. See, the wingtips are clipped off of it. Um, I recommend my Yellow Venom. This is an easy call to run because it's got some of that exposed latex. That's the Yellow Venom call. Um, kind of a unique cut. I, I recommend those because it's still not hard to obtain a little bit of front. You can be versatile and do the soft stuff with it, but when you put a little air to it, then it activates the top read and it gets raspy. So my thing is I tell people to get a little bit raspy or call. I don't go with that old school. We'll get a single read. That's one of the hardest calls you ever learn to run is a single read. The average guy needs to get a little bit of rasp, and uh, uh, the snake tongue cut that, that a lot of companies produce, we have one at Woodhaven, the, the uh, black venom, the, the ninja venom. It's just a single snake tongue in the centerpiece, and both sides are cut out. 
Um, I may have one right like this right here. See, that's a great call, a great beginner call. It's not super raspy. It does have a little back end, but yet it has enough backbone to cut and stuff and, and to get a little aggressive on. So um, there you go, Tony Harrison. That's my take on that. Um, you can look it from a cell phone. Cool, Adam. Awesome, buddy. Harold Bell. Evening, Scott. Hey, buddy. Mitchell Johnston will do. God, I'm way behind. How can I try not to make the back end of my Yelp sound like a cut? Um, you're probably, I dropped the call here. What you're probably doing, if your back end sounds like a cut, is you're just dropping, you're chopping, you're barking, what I call barking on it. And you want to drag, you just want to drag that note out a little bit. That was, um, Chase. You're, you're probably barking on the call. You're chop, 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 chopping it too hard and too fast. Remember, a Yelp is a little more of a draggier note. And, and if you're, if you're, uh, let me try to demonstrate what you're probably doing. That's probably what you're doing. You're just you're chopping the note. Drag it, slow it down, and lengthen the, the, the length of air to make the note longer. Like so, just drag the note out. Just drag it out. You're barking on it. You're chopping on it. Um, Harold Bell, got one in Ninja Venom calls coming tomorrow, anxious to give it a try. Thank you, Harold, we appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, it's a good little call. I mean, amazingly enough, it has a lot of backbone to cut and stuff on, but but yet it's not a raspy, raspy yelp. So a lot of guys really like, you know, there's the guys that are on the other end of the spectrum that are just rasp, pure rasp. Excuse me. And then there's the other guys that, that want that more mellow sound, and that Ninja Venom's a great one for that mellow sound. Jeff Sipe doing a fine job, Wendell. Wendell Wheaton. That's our old friend, Jeff Sipe. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Brandon DeSoto. Hey, buddy. Hey, Chris Walls. West Virginia. What's going on, brother? Tom Yeager. Have you ever hunted northwest Pennsylvania? If so, do you consider it more challenging than most other states? You've hunted. Thanks, Scott. And congrats to you and Stinky. Old Stinky. Thanks, Tom Yeager. Um, no, I've not hunted PA yet. I've hunted New York. I'm going back to New York, but I've not hunted PA. I'm hoping to hunt with my buddy, old, old Jeremy Pollock, next year. I think we're lining up something. To hunt PA, but I think mean, I think it's very similar. It's hardwoods, rolling hills, mountains, and hardwoods, and uh, I like hunting the elevations. It seems like it's a lot easier for some reason to move and reposition on a turkey on those elevations um, and, and running around the ridges and whatnot. Um, and it's just it's it's a butt whooping for a flatlander for me. I can promise you, I'm up there huffing and puffing the whole time. But but I do enjoy hunting. The, and you hear you can hear a turkey so far away. It's just amazing. I, I love that Florida. I mean, you're 200 yards, or even the flatlands of the southeast, you're 200, 300 yards, and it's just a muffled, faint thing. You can hear a bird gobble on a mountainside three miles away, and it sounds like he's 100 yards from you, and that's awesome. So I love that. I love having the ability to just hear the whole mountain range or the hillside that you're hunting. Um, Andrew Maxwell, what would you say is the biggest mistake someone makes while hunting Osceola's for the first time? Used to hunting Easterns here in Alabama. Make it to take a trip down your neck of the woods to try my first Osceola. Uh, I would say in Alabama, Eastern is one of the hardest Easterns to kill. And in Osceola, I would say you probably call pretty sparing to those those Alabama turkeys. And I'd about that's what I would say to do in Osceola as a rule of thumb. Now, now listen, I mean, I've had them where I burned them down all the way to the gun barrel. And they acted like a Miriam. You know, every turkey has that extreme end of the spectrum. But as a whole, after hunting them for as long as I've hunted them, less is more in calling. They're just a warier, sneakier, more um, more alert. I don't know how to explain it. They just, they don't, you know, you don't hear, very often you don't hear a lot of Osceola hens yapping just constant, like you'll hear eastern hens in the fall. Even in the fall, you you know, when you got big flocks, 
osteologists don't talk as much. They will talk. I'm not trying to say, uh, you know, there's never any absolutes in turkeys, whether it's a Miriam or an Osceola or a Goulds over here in Mexico or whatever. But, I mean, they're all still turkeys, but there's some characteristic characteristic traits that that identify them to me. And I, and, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty, I can speak on them pretty well because I've hunted a bunch of them and called in hundreds of them over 32 years. So, again, you know, I mean, there might be the guy that killed two out there that, that, that burned it down and gobbled their brains up all the way to the gun barrel. But as a whole, I just think less is more than Osceola. And I don't think you probably do much different than his Alabama turkeys because they're, they're a tough breed, no doubt about it. Yeah, they're probably, you hear people talk about Alabama Easterns, that's one of the toughest to kill, one of the quietest, less gobbling birds. I know uh, Kenny Weiss, Mike Pentecost, a lot of them boys that hunt that state land out there will tell you that. So, All right, Tracy Jacobs, amen. Jack Bell, do you have your tongue on the call when you yelp or drop it off? Always have the tongue on the call to start, drop it off a little bit at the back. But it's not always completely like it just falls off the call. The pressure drops, which allows the back end to activate the, the top read vibrates, and that brings the rasp in. So, but it's always there. I mean, it's just not. It's all a pressure thing. It's 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 all different different pressures. Uh, Tommy Egg, would you call it a bird? Oh, about about turned the whole thing off. Holy moly! What? <laughs> Let's see. I lost it. Oh no! Let me get back where I was. I'm sorry, folks. I hit the wrong stinking button. Um. Okay, we're back. Amen, Jack Bell. Tongue pressure. Do you call a bird that you... Tom Yeager, do you, would you call a bird that you have a visual while still on the roost? Um, just enough to let him know I'm there. That's all I ever do. Um, it's a great question. It gets asked a lot. People overcall turkeys on the roost. And what do turkeys do? They sit there and they gobble on the roost. And they gobble on the roost. And they try to gather more hens and gather more hens. So I say very little to a hen on the roost. The, the disclaimer I give always is if he's got a bunch of hens with him, then I'll get mouthy and try to get those hens engaged enough to where they'll fly down my way and bring them all together. Outside of that, let him know you're there, and then and then I, I will give him a fly-down cackle usually with a wing, and then I don't say a word until he hits the ground. Otherwise, you're wasting your breath. So, Robert McCormick, what's up, brother? Travis Daniels, what's up, dude? Tra- Stacy Boland, hey, buddy. Mike Cook. Thanks for all you have done educating turkey hunters on the calling skills. I can tell you that I've hunted them for 60 years, and you guys have taken calling to a new level. And I don't think I'm too bad at it. LOL, thanks. Well, Mike, I'm very humble, brother. I'm sure you have piled them up in the back of your truck bed for many, many years. So I really appreciate that. And I'm sure all the other callers that are active right now calling are very humbled. And thank you for that. I appreciate it, brother. Keith Wallach. Hi, Scott. What gunshot and choke do you use? Keith Wallach, my buddy. Dude, we got (laughs) to – I'll call you tomorrow, Keith. We've been playing phone tag since, like, before Nashville this year. Um, I use a Winchester 1300. I'm using – I like Longbeard 6s. I like Heavy Shot 7s. But I'm currently using TSS 9s reloaded by my brother, uh, Robert McCormick, and I love them. And um, I'm shooting a Compenchoke 665, but I'm going to be experimenting with a True Glow 665. So that's what I'm shooting, Wally. Good to see you on here, buddy. Connor Krafchick. Hey, Connor. Gatlin Wilson. Hey, buddy. Dave Penninger, I thought your comment on not using decoys was very interesting. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Just this, this my take on it. TJ Jordan joined. Hey, TJ. Jeremy and UD. Great job, bud. Thank you, my friend. Hi, Scott. Could you explain tongue placement on the reeds and how tongue pressure affects the front end and a good raspy back end of a yelp? Well, hey, Scott. We talked about it about 20 or 30 minutes ago. Um, tongue pressure... And the and the uh, hindering of the top reed vibrating is how you can get a front end, whether it's on the bottom two reeds, whether it's on a combo cut, a bat wing, a ghost cut, where you're in the cut 
where that second read is exposed latex. A V is a little bit more challenging to get it on, but not necessarily when you clip the wingtips off because that exposes that second read and allows you to get a little bit of a front. Um, software update. No, we don't want that. So, again, go back earlier. I demonstrated. I'll do it again for you real quick. Um, finding that sweet spot, and it's not it's not over-pressurizing the call. It's not... It's not cranking tongue pressure. It's it's just keeping the top reef from vibrating and moving that tongue around that call. And don't be afraid to contort your jaw to find that. You know, cock your jaw sideways to channel the air in a certain spot on the call. Move the call forward. Drop your jaw like you have an underbite. So that helps some people. Take your bottom jaw, bring it back like you've got an overbite. Just experiment and find where you can make that contact to make that sweet sound. And when you get it down, you get it down, and you'll be able to find it like this. It's just—it's all about muscle memory, like a golf swing almost. When you get it down, you can literally pick up any call within about a second. There's Rash. Watch. Just move to the right. Stay air. And start your yelp from that position. Remember, the rasp is created when you drop your tongue off the pressure and that allows those top reeds to activate and vibrate. That's what creates the rasp. So if you told your cut your tongue on there longer, you can carry that front even more, like so. See, I didn't drop my tongue much at all. And by doing that, it never got really very raspy. drop it off. And that's how you learn to add those little front notes and back notes in the start of the Yelp and the back end of the Yelp when the hymn brings it down like I just did. And that allows you to activate and put rasp in the call at will. That makes it to a whole nother, nother level of realism. So Anyways, go back and watch through it earlier in this. A fellow was asking the same thing, and we, we did kind of the same drill too. But Mark Jenkins, who sells the picture you're using while you're storing your calls? Great question, Mark Jenkins. Partycity.com. <laughs> it's Party City. Just go to Party City and type in plastic toothpicks, and you'll find the plastic toothpicks. Uh, they're like $6 for 400 or 300 350 I'm looking at them over. I got like four of them piled up over here. Cody Gibson, hey brother, what's going on? Ryan Grove, hey buddy, Chase, do a video with Jake calling. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do a video with some Jake stuff. Um, Scott Manning, what is your favorite call for Cluck and Purr? I mean, my favorite call, my, my competition calling is a um, is a combo or, or a uh, modified cutter, forgive me. Very loose stretch modified cutter call, which is to say modified, it's a regular cutter with a little angle clipped into the... Uh, over the exposed reed that's sticking out over the top, the top reed that's hanging, I go in at a 45 and cut it. And it's very, very loose stretch. But, I mean, I can purr on, all of my yelpers can purr solid enough to be turkey enough to consistently kill turkeys. So, I mean, any of my yelpers that go in my hunting case are, will do everything. Um, may, one may do one thing a little bit better than the next, but they all do it overall really solid. And that's, the great, that's a great attribute to a hunting call. 
you want it to do. You don't want to have to switch mouth calls, especially if you're using a mouth call. You don't want to have to switch mouth calls in the middle of a battle with a gobbler, you know, because you purr better on this one. Pick a call that you can be proficient with everything, even if it's all middle of the road solid stuff, and and it's not the most awesome thing that you can get out of it. If you can do it all and it's proficient and it's decent, then to go with that call. That's my opinion, anyway. Hey doodle, hey doodle, how are you doing? Um, Elliot Phillips, hey Scott, mentioned this to you on your Q and A the other night. You might remember I hunt here, in Georgia, on Fort Stewart, getting hard to find affordable private land in South Georgia. I can I can attest, Florida, I can't afford any land, private land. Um, worth your time. Any good pointers on hunting highly pressured public land birds here on Fort Stewart? Yeah, man. Um, it's it's really that same go to answer that I go to when you're hunting. Uh, try to get away from the people. Try to locate birds off the beaten path that. Uh, aren't getting harassed as much. That's one way to call in an easy turkey. Um, two, be more realistic on your calls. Three, try to pattern the birds. Try to get in there and do as much time patterning the birds, figuring out what they're doing because calling may not be what you fall back on. You may fall back on finding him in a strut zone and, and waiting for him there and setting up there. Um, use Google Maps when you're out hunting. Uh, it's a great tool to find out if he's hung up on a creek or a fence or a ditch or a lake or something else. Use Google Maps to identify land land terrain features, possible roosting areas. Um, use them to help you with your scouting. And uh, l- last but not least, on and I've been doing it for 30-something years on public ground, is less is probably more when calling to any pressure turkey. Um, I just, they're not going to tolerate you framing and raking a box call to you got smoke coming off of it. They're not going to tolerate it. They're, you know, if you listen in most places like that, when birds are pressured, the hens are just as less vocal as the gobblers are when they don't gobble much. The hens don't really get very vocal either. And I think if you do anything outside of that box, you're not doing what's normal to them, and you're you're giving yourself away right off the bat that a bird's going to shy from that rashes carrying on about with your calling. So there you go, buddy. Hope that helps. Greg Wilkinson, Liberty. MS. What guys help me out? MS is Missouri, I believe. Or no, that's MO. Mississippi? Heck, I don't know. I'm I'm half not I'm not very educated. Kiki call and when you use it. Greg Wilkinson. I don't know what MS stands for. Mississippi, Missouri. Can't remember. Either way, Greg Wilkinson, great, great question. Kiki run, I love using it in the springtime. Totally overlooked. Um A, I've turned gobblers around. When nothing else works, I'm like, well, I want Kiki at him. So I threw four or five whistles at him, turned the bird, brought him around. Not, not doesn't happen every time. If it happens one in twenty, your your odds of success just went up. So why not try it, right? Last ditch effort kind of thing. Two, I use it a lot for locating. If you just want to think about it, it's a great call for locating because they will gobble at that whistle when they won't gobble anything else. I do it on my tube call a lot. Ask Kevin Kirkpatrick. I'll key key on my tube call and then go into Yelps, and that's a great locator because it's really loud. And it's even more shrill, if you will, than a diaphragm. Um, last but not least, I use it a lot when talking to the hens. It's a great call. I have a theory, and I love theorizing about these crazy birds, but I have a theory that um, you can imitate a lost Jenny um, with, with lost yelping, which is essentially an assembly yelp, a long drug-out series of yelps. Of a, You'll hear hens doing it sometimes. You'll hear Jennies walking through the wood alone, woods alone just yelping, looking for company. And it's almost like an assembly yelp. But it's done by a younger bird usually, and I use that. That's a great call to use in conjunction with some keying, and um, the key key. I think the maternal instinct of that brood hen will sometimes kick in, and you're not being offensive. 
And she may wander over to see who this Jenny is that's looking for a family group, if you will, during the springtime. So that's my take on Akiki. Great call. Great call. Use it during the springtime. Don't discount it. Lee Osborne. Hey, Scott, if you like mountains and you're up to the challenge, holler at me and get you on some southern West Virginia turkeys. I love West Virginia. I killed a bird in West Virginia two seasons ago with a buddy of mine, Wade Bulls, and I love hunting some West Virginia turkeys. That's a lot of fun. I appreciate it, Lee. Josh Grossenbacher. Hey, Josh. How are you, brother? Uh, Spencer Cox. Could you please go over how Kiki on a mouth call? Okay. This is what I'm going to go over. That's just that's that modified cutter I'm talking about. It's like a cutter with a little angle. And it all goes back to the same stuff I teach in my YouTube clip on, on, on Mouth Call Magic 1 and 2. Find the sweet spot. Really easy to do that on a call that has exposed latex, a ghost cut, a bat wing, a combo cut, a cutter cut. Anything with that second reads exposed, that's where you're going to find that kiki. Or that's where you're going to find the front end. So, find the sweet spot, you find the whistle. If you get in the center of the call, it's going to be raspy. If you go to the left of the call, it's going to be raspy. If you go to the right where that cut is, in that exposed latex, you'll find the whistle. Steady tongue pressure, steady air. Just like that. And from there, put kiki rhythm to it. It's really that simple. It's not that hard. They have kiki run. 101 in one minute or left. less. <laughs> All right. Um, Scott Manning. A lot of long beards this year in my areas of New York and PA. That's good to hear because I'm coming to New York. <laughs> Should be a good year. Good luck to you guys. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Hey, Randy, you're back again. Adam, awesome Q&A, Scott. Got to run, guys. Okay, thanks, buddy. Take care. Christopher Garza joined. Joe Slayton, what's up, buddy? When sitting against a tree, do you rest your gun on your knee when a turkey is coming in? If so, do you have anything you want that your gun sets on? That's a great question. No, Joe. I use my elbows. It's going to be hard for me to do, but I might be able to get it done here because I'm sitting on the couch. My gun will set just like this. I use elbow, left elbow, left knee, right elbow, right knee. And that's how I set up. And I can hold my gun for a very, very, very extended long, very extended period of time. And uh, and it doesn't, uh, you don't get tired. I mean, you see guys just try to hold a gun up like this without any rest. I mean, that's a no-go. That's not going to work for me. I'll, I'll have muscle failure. I'll be doing this. And there ain't no turkey going to come in the gun range. <laughs> but I rest the, each elbow on each knee. Um, if I'm blind calling and there's nothing going on, I'm just laying there probably like this with my gun in my lap. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Kyle Turner, what are the pros and cons to hand position with diaphragm calling, and what is the best hand position? That's a freaking awesome question, dude. There is no cons other than when a bird's starting to close the distance, obviously you're not wanting to be trying to get rhythm like we do on the stage. Yeah, we keep rhythm doing our hand, and that's cool and all, but, but as far as actually throwing the sound like this right here, money, 100% money. I can't tell you the turkeys. Denny coined it back in 35 years ago, ventriloquism calling where you use your hand, and you could probably even tell on this little microphone how I'm doing this right here, and I'm doing this right here, and this right here, and here, and here, and I will use that. And it, now, and it adds, if you want to just throw sound here that the hand is if effectively to your left, you can do that, and you keep doing that. If it's just you're wanting to call to him and add realism, you do that same thing, and it sounds like a hand's, you know, you can hear hand's pitch change just by the way they face you or face away from you. Their pitch and their tone will somewhat change. And... Um, you add that adds another level of realism. The only con to it is you can't do it when a bird's closed the distance. Now, I have done it 
that same position Joe talked about. Now I can do this right here and do this right here with my gun right up again. You know, I've, I've found to be able to do some movements with my hand if he was up close. But you can also, I have to add this and throw a call in to show you, do the very same thing by crawling on the side of your mouth. See, I just, I hope you can hear the three-dimensional sound that created, but you could just call out the sides in the front of your mouth and completely change the pitch like that hen's moving her head. So there you go, my friend. If you if you get handcuffed, use your, just use your mouth and your lips. Um, Darren Dye. There's old Darren. How are you, old turkey killer? Gary Chase, have you had any trouble with the long beard shells not ejecting good on a pump? They are a little longer. You know, I saw a post about that. My 1300, I've had no problems. I shot them for, well, they've only been out for a couple of years, but I got them right after they came out and hunted with them for a season or two. Never had, never had a problem. But I've had a video I saw of a guy, because the roll crimp causing it to be slightly longer, he was having problems when it fed out of the magazine. Obviously, you could chamber one, but when he went to jack one and it, and, and it came out of the tubular magazine, then it's when it, it wanted to hang up in the tubular magazine. So I haven't had any problems with my 1300. And maybe because it's so old and worn, there's like, it's, it's so old and war that the shell slides easier. I don't know, but I haven't had any problems. Hey, Dennis Gray, one of my admins on TCOA. Good to see you, buddy. Donnie Williams. Hey, Alex Weaver. What's up, buddy? Keith Lede. Mark Jenkins. I got 500 on Amazon for about $6. Look up plastic arrow toothpicks. There you go. Guys, I can't stress it enough. I mean, I carry 10 or 15 spares with me, and every call on my pack is picked because... You go to the woods, it's just a great tip. You go to the woods, and I did it as a kid, and I don't know how many calls I tore and ripped and how long it took me to break them loose. You'd be sitting in the truck, just trying to hammer, trying to hammer on your calls before you got out in the woods where the wind is rolled up and the radio going so you could break your calls loose. You put a toothpick, it's it's a little cumbersome at first till you get used to it. If your eyes are bad and you have to use readers, you may have a problem. For the, for the fellas that are struggling with eyesight, it might be tougher to try to do it. But um, if, you, if your eyes are decent, you wear contacts or just wear glasses, and you can see halfway decent in front of your face close, it's a great way to, to prolong the, the life of the call and to get in the woods, and you're ready to go two seconds in the engagement. You don't have to break anything loose, and it, you just go call. You pull the pick and call. So, anyways, Kevin Taylor, what is your key to the wine and whistles? Finding the sweet spot. We uh, Go back and watch this, brother, if you have the time. Uh, finding the sweet spot is where you find the wine. This ain't this where you kiki from. It's where you you tree call from. Anywhere you find that clear, sweet sound, that's where you engage a lot of the softer calls and the cleaner calls. Okay, Shay Cessna, not not no, not a Jake Turkey or your son Jake Hill. I do a video on it. Oh, oh, thanks, Chase. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I think Jake's going to do a demo for. Um, I just deleted your comment. I didn't mean to do that. I'm pushing too many buttons. But Jake is going to do a video, probably demo, doing that Ninja Hen with that, that uh, yellow heart lid over walnut. It's a wicked sounding thing. Robert McCormick, outside the TCOA Q&A, what other web channels do you provide information on? YouTube, brother. Go to YouTube. i got a great channel with a tons of tips and um, a bunch of hunts. There's Miriam hunts and Eastern hunts, and I think there's a Rio hunt on there. But YouTube, I've got a, a channel on YouTube. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the question. Marty Scott. How you doing, buddy? Anthony Woods is back again, I think. Tommy Edgar, hi, Scott. You answered a question a few minutes ago, and I think you misunderstood it, about doing a video with Jake calling doing Stinky. Okay, same thing. Thanks, Tom. I'll get Yeah, we'll get Stinky up doing some calling, buddy. I appreciate it. 
Bill Boyshive. Scott, who's the most unique Yelp in the competition calling? Well, that's a loaded question. Unique meaning what? <laughs> I mean, the, all the guy, all the top guys have their own unique sound. Billy has Billy's sound. Billy Yargis. Jesse has Jesse's sound. Jr. has his sound. Josh has his. I don't. I mean, that's just a loaded question. I don't know. They all have. Here's the thing, in my opinion, when you get to be a, when you get to the next level in your calling, not necessarily stage calling where you perfect it in routines, but just when you take the realism to the next level, you truly have you lose the sound of latex to some degree. We all sound like rubber. I don't care what anybody says and how good anybody thinks they're on a turkey call. We all sound like rubber. Some of us sound a little bit more like a turkey than others. I will say that. But at the same time, when you do, you'll hear it when you when you go into that next level of realism. You'll have a different sound, a different rasp, and that rasp is that more of a throaty, nasally quality, and not so much of just scratchy rasp that you hear ninety percent of turkey callers do, but still kill turkeys with it. So that'd be my that'd be my answer. I mean, everybody's you, you, hen is unique. Every competition top level caller's hen is unique, and I wouldn't take anything from any one of them. Whether I like it or dislike it doesn't matter. Everybody's different, and everybody has a lot of turkey in what they do. As much as we can get out of rubber, that's all I can tell you. Uh, Richard Clark, thanks for all you do. Thank you for being here, buddy. I appreciate it, Richard. Robert Kirkland joined in. 100 people over here. Okay, Rob Bartleball. Hey, Rob, what's up, buddy? Marty Byler joined in. Adam Campbell, speaking of deep calls, I'd love to have one from Woodhaven. Um, you know, we used to make one. Uh, it's somewhere laying around here. It's a little bitty guy, a little bitty canister uh, laminate wood tube call. I ran it for a long time. But uh, call the shop, man. They may still have some of those. I'm not sure. Scott, does Woodhaven have any smooth tape calls? I struggle with the rough tape that is used on most mouth calls these days. Dude, I don't think there's a smooth mouth. I mean, I use thick tape, and I've stockpiled some of it, and I don't think, outside of what I stockpiled, I don't know of anybody. If, if somebody's watching that has access to smooth, thick tape, please shoot me a message and shoot Mar uh, Marty Scott a message because I... The, the sources that I have cannot get the smooth, thicker tape anymore, and I like the, th the smooth, thick tape. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's a single call we use it on, brother, anymore because you can't get it. Devin Duncan, what's up, buddy? Billy Vaudry, Jay Bowler, uh, Spencer Cock, thanks, Scott. You're welcome, buddy. Robin Kirkland, good job, bud. You have a lot of know-how for for think for Ty. Thank you, buddy. Christopher Garza, thanks for sharing your secrets, bud. Chase, Tony Young's back again. Scott, I appreciate your calling ability more so than anyone else's. You're a great teacher in the videos also. That's hard to find. Thumbs up, buddy. Thanks, Paul McGill. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I hope you learned something from it and ultimately hope you kill a bunch more turkeys doing it, man. That's what it's all about. Scott Welch, thanks, buddy. Scott Punswick, are you coming back to Virginia this spring? How do you like these mountain birds? I loved them. Killed one last year with Ronnie Lambrich, one of my Woodhaven guys, and I think Jake and I are going to get to go back in early May. Ronnie is down hunting oscillateds, and we talked at the convention, and he said he thought he'd be open that first weekend in May. So Jake may slip back up there, Jake and I, and catch some trout and hopefully kill some some Virginia longbeards. I loved it. Love Virginia. It was beautiful. Mark Prudhomme is back. Hey, Mark Lester. I think people come in and out. They must get bored with me and say they break off and come back. Do you pick all the reeds or top reed? Great question, Joe. No, just the top reed. I let the bottom two reeds stick together. Um, I think that unity helps with the cleaner front end, to be honest with you. I think it, when they mesh from the saliva and they stick, I think it helps whistle. It'll call whistle better. I think it's actually easier to get a little bit cleaner sound from it. So I do not pick all of the reeds. Some people do. Some people pick all three or four or however many reeds they have. I do not. But I know that top reed, you need that one loose to create rasp, and that's why I picked the top one. 
Sean Wright. What's going on, Sean Wright? Headed to Kentucky. Couple weeks, brother. Can't wait, man. Jake, Jake's going to Kentucky with me to try to bust up on some Kentucky Longbeards. Lee Osborne, where are you putting the pick? Where are you putting the pick? The call between what reads? That's the top read and the second read. Is the only place I pick it. Okay. And what you want to do is go down into the corner or whatever cut it may be, whether it's a bat wing or uh, a V or a combo. Go to one of the corners, and that's where I try to slide it in between. Hey, David Gizzy, Ethan Watson, Scott Manning. Thanks, God. Watch the rest later. Good luck. Good job. Thanks, buddy. Mike Mazel. What's going on, Mike Mazel? Black wing turkeys. You want to get a good turkey mounted? Go to Black Wing Turkeys. Take a minute. Go to Black Wing Turkeys and look at the man's website. Most amazing work I've ever seen. Most anatomically correct turkeys. Feather, not one feather out of place. He puts them better together than they do it live. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Mike Mizell, Black Wing Turkeys. Ethan Watson. My dog. What's up, buddy? I don't know if you're talking to me, but my dog, Ethan Watson. Kyle Turner, thanks. Hey, Mike. Brian Lamont, any advice on calling fall gobblers? Calling fall gobblers. Yeah, that's... Um, never discount gobbling at a fall gobbler. Never discount um, a fight with a fall gobbler. And obviously, never discount. Always use a gobbler yelp. It's a, it's a great call. I mean, gobblers in the fall establish a pecking order, and like just like they do in the spring, but they don't separate. So there's a boss gobbler in that group of, of bachelor flocks. So if you can capitalize on that by a fighting purr or goblin at him, that you can be surprised that can have a great effect on fall birds. Um, outside of that. Patterning is huge. Finding food sources is huge for fall gobblers. So that's the quick quick swing on fall gobblers. I'm thinking about playing a trip to Florida in the fall. Is fall turkey hunting pretty decent? Well, Frank, if you don't have public land, then I wouldn't waste your time. Um, you can hunt some management areas during archery season, and some of them you can even shoot a hen with a bow in archery season. But outside of that, the, man, the WMAs do not allow fall turkey hunting, so you're going to have to do it with uh, problem private land. But, um, yeah, it's as decent as any other turkey hunting i guess i think osceola's um i don't know I, I would say they're harder to call i mean i've said that about spring gobblers and, and osceola's but they're really really tough to to get vocal i don't hear a lot of fall talk in the turkey woods in the fall during in florida i hear some i'm not again don't quote me on it he said they don't ever say anything no it's just i hear it a lot less frequent than i hear in the woods of when i'm whitetail hunting in kentucky and i'm hunted in illinois and i'm hunted in even in South Carolina, I've heard t- Easterns are a lot more vocal in the fall than our sales are. But, but if you can get land that's got birds, you can make it happen, brother. You can make it happen. Marty Scott, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Tanner Kleitz, how do you get a gobbler that's on the roost to fly down to you? It's just a matter of letting him know you're there, man. I mean, he's either going to do it or he's not. And I don't think there's any one particular thing in my mind. I tree call. I let him know I'm there. I get quiet. I fly down with a wing. If that doesn't do it, then I wait till his feet hit the ground. I just don't think there's one particular, there's there's not one magical call that you can give him that makes. I don't know what that's about. Sorry, I got him saying he's either going to come to you because he thinks you're going to breed or not, and he goes the other way and he thinks he's got somewhere else he wants to go or be. So no, I mean there's not one magical sound, dude. Ethan Watson got a 400 acre track and a 200 acre track in Georgia. Stop by on your. Up to Virginia and the way back, just let let me know, man. All right, I appreciate it, Ethan. I'm actually, if I go to Virginia, I'm flying, brother. Old Florida boy, I can't, I can't, I don't have enough vacation to drive to all these crazy states. I mean, I'm hunting like eight states. There's no way I could do it if I drove. Gas would kill me uh, and vacation time would kill me because it would take a day or two or three to travel to some of these states before I even started hunting. So I fly everywhere. And I fly southwest most of the time. No baggage fees, and they're some of the cheaper rates. <laughs> and I don't work for Southwest. So just that's who I fly as much as I can. 
All right, cool. Well, I think we're winding down, guys. I don't know. It's uh, been on here an hour and a half, and we're de- we got 42 people still on here, but um, 10-4. Marty Scott, what is the best Kiki mouth call for you? Any type of uh, ghost cut or side cut call or a bat. Any call that has exposed latex, I can Kiki on. Um, whether it's this venom stuff, the snake tongue call, see those that exposed latex? You can whistle right there or right there. Um, obviously, we got a ghost cut right here. You can see that middle reed, that exposed latex on that middle reed. You can kiki right there as well. You can kiki on a side cut call. See if I got something here I can dig out of the old box. Like a combo cut right here. That's a red scorpion. See, there's your combo cut right there. Cut or call. Anywhere you see that clear read and that latex is exposed, you can key on. Now, I'm not even going to go into it. You can key on a V. You can key on the bottom of a split V and not activate the top reads. That's a whole other class of sitting trying to explain that. It's hard to do. Scott, what is, uh, Darren Hayes, Dad Gummit, son, I'm late. No, I'm going to finish this up here just shortly, Darren, and you can watch the whole thing and hear me ramble on for another for an hour and a half. Jeff Hope joined. Bo Brooks joined. Hey, Bo. Hey, Larry. Um, Dennis Gray, good job tonight, Scott. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it. The questions are slowing down. Um, Gavin Brown, sorry. How do you fly with your gun? Check it. Yeah, absolutely. I carry a hard case. You declare it when you walk up to check your other bag, and they, they you open it up, show them it's unloaded. They put a ticket in it. You lock it back up and send it on its way. It's pretty easy. Haven't had any problems flying uh, other than they've left my gun behind a couple of times. Uh, Tennessee last year left my gun behind in Orlando, direct flight which I hate connecting flights. That's one thing I hate to do. That's when your stuff gets lost. When you, you know, whenever your connector doesn't meet with the one that you're, you're trying to depart on to get to the next location in time, they don't get it on there. But, but, um, outside of that, I've had no problems really carrying, um, just get a good gun case because they will tear your junk up in those airlines. I swear they see a gun case or a hard case and they, they've got a 400 pound gorilla beating it against the wall. Cause it's like, they just try to see how strong and sturdy it is. Honestly. So you buy a very good gun case. Um, do you have a lot of good info on, you have given me a lot of good info on calling tonight. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome, Dave. Well, guys, I think I'm going to sign off. Um, I really appreciated your time. Um, take kids to the woods, get them involved. Uh, that's the future of what we do. Um, it beats playing video games. It teaches them survival. It teaches them how to gather their own food, if you will. It teaches them patience it teaches them responsibility there's nothing there's just there's nothing it doesn't teach them that a, a man needs to know to be the salt of the earth kind of dude you know it teaches them all the qualities and virtues to be a great man so take the kids hunt and be safe um support the nwtf i don't care what anybody says support the nwtf you may or may not you may or may not agree with everything they do <clears throat> i'm losing my voice but support them they still support the wild turkey and they're probably the reason they had their turkeys in your neck of the woods so support them um and have a great, safe spring and kill lots of turkeys and share it on TCOA. And uh, we will see you guys hopefully with a bunch of dead turkeys in the near future. Talk to you on the flip side.